February 27th, and this is Season 7, Episode 25 of the Four Star Spurs Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony. With me this week is Lucas. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, we're going to go with English Rick. Hello. And Tall Rick. Hey, how's it going? Good to be back. Well, um, good vibes this week. I mean, it's, this is um, a week where we had uh, we came out of... Uh, a victory last week against in the North or in the London Derby. And we had another London Derby coming up that we usually don't do so great with in Chelsea. And uh, we had get another good performance. Uh, I I just want to start off the conversation with how are you guys feeling in general after kind of this uh, quality period of play, we'll call it um, where things are looking a little bit brighter. Um, has it cha- changed your perspective on the season? Uh, go ahead, uh, Tall Rick. Yeah, yeah. Hey, it's been a while since I've been on, so I might as well jump in first, right? I, first of all, I feel good uh, that I actually get to be on once after a great performance and a win, because I feel like my last three or four times on, we uh, we were always coming off some kind of poor loss. So, uh, so I just want to say I'm relieved, first of all, that we have positive vibes to talk about. Um, I, I have been pretty down for most of the year just given the way we've been performing but these last few matches starting with man city i know uh lester was a huge hiccup i know the performance uh, in milan wasn't great but city and west ham and those chelsea matches really feel like a, a turning point for me it sort of feels like the the club is starting to click the timing on everything is you know seems to be falling into place and i, I think it's i i think it's for real i i'm i do feel a lot better now than i did a couple of weeks ago and i i'm hoping it's going to be the start of a, a really strong finishing kick combined with a, a kind of favorable schedule so yeah I'm, I'm in a way better headspace now than i was last month for sure so uh other rick yeah it seems like uh, the team is actually becoming more organized um, I think maybe Conte's um, training methods are now suddenly starting to kick in. Uh, we look a lot more disciplined. We're pressing a lot. Uh, we're defensively a lot better, especially the last few games. Uh, Leicester aside, um, yeah, it just, it just, you know, you know, I, I don't want to get into Chelsea, uh, the Chelsea game too early. But if you look at that Chelsea game. The reason we won is because we were organised and they weren't. Um, and and I'm really feeling that the players are getting it now. Um, you know, the organisation, what Conte wants them to do. I'm not saying I'm happy with it, but I, I, the players are definitely um, knowing their roles and, and in their positions and, and knowing what to do when the opposition has the ball. Well, just being on this roller coaster of a season, um, I, I, I've been feeling the same good vibes as both of you guys. But then I also start to wonder at times like uh, we, we've seen this before where when we have uh, an opportunity to have two games uh, a full week apart um, and we, we have plenty of time to train and rest, um, we, we seem to look like we are organized and we're up to speed and we're pl- we play with better efficiency. Uh, and I want to think that this is going to continue, but I think the real test is going to come up uh, in the next week or two weeks. Well, where, when, when you start having two games a week again, um, it's so tough to tell with like the, the, 
World Cup in the middle of the first half of the season and nothing ever being able to get organized, all the injuries, and that hasn't stopped. But um, but I want to keep I want to have your guys good vibes and think that this is something that's going to continue. Um, Let's let Lucas jump in first. Yeah, I think kind of what you touched on there with um, it's. I'm almost not letting myself get too excited about the way things are going right now because of how quick these things can change. I mean, it was only a couple weeks ago that we had just beaten Man City. We were on top of the world. Everything was going in the right direction. And then all of a sudden, we had all of our players healthy for once. And then within the next three days, we learned that, like, Hugo's out for six weeks. Basuma's out. And then the next game, uh, we get smoked by Leicester. And then... Benton core is out for the season. So it's like it, it can change so quickly, but um, I do like the fact that uh, like Rick said, with the organization, it does it. There's, we seem to be kind of turning that corner similar to what we did last year, where we had the big win against city. And then we dropped uh, lost to Burnley four days later. And then all of a sudden we kind of kicked into gear and went on a run where we won like 10 or so, or I think it was like 10 of our last 15 games that we won. So um, I'm really hoping that that's what we're kind of getting into that stride right now where we can make a push for the final part of the season. Yeah. Uh, Rick? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know if this will kind of help you guys feel better about it, but I, I know what you're saying, right? It, it can turn around at any moment in any street, you know, it could be short or long. It, it's going great until it's not, and then it's over, right? But that's why I think it's important to focus on two different things. One is the approach, right, and and the actual effort that we're putting in and the process of it versus the results. And I, I feel like, again, Le- Leicester game, massive exception. But if you look at City, you look at West Ham, you look at, you look at Chelsea, it wasn't just a fluke result. Like, we seized those games. We owned those games. We controlled those games. It wasn't one good half and one bad half. It wasn't like little sporadic periods of play. It was a thorough 90 minutes of quality football that Antonio Conte wants, right? Solid defensively, um, making some good chances and and getting forward when the opportunity presents itself without overexposing yourself at the back. So um, it it feels structurally sustainable to me what we've seen lately here. Uh, And that's why I'm probably a little more positive that it can continue, right? Because Usually when you're on one of these little runs and, and you're worried about it, it's because maybe you're, you're not earning the results you're getting. I feel like we have earned them. And I don't know, you know, I can't really see any reason why it can't continue. We, we still have good players despite who we're missing and we still got good depth uh, to rotate. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm oddly optimistic. So we did also have Milan in there. We, we can't um, skip that, skip over that. Uh, and that wasn't the best performance, but I think they played all right considering for a, a loss as it was. But uh, Rick, go, uh, go ahead. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm very optimistic because, like I said before, I think the players are understanding what's necessary now, what, what the minimum level of commitment and you know enthusiasm is and what Conte wants. Um, the Man City game is a very good example of you know what we should be doing, and then we had Leicester, um, and everything just dropped off, and uh, and it was a bit of a bizarre game because with Leicester it was it was like everything they hit just went in the net. It was it was a bit bizarre, um, but we we did drop off on our pressing and uh, and enthusiasm, and then it was like um. I mean, lightning moment. It was like, oh, that's how we can't play. 
I mean, ever since then, we, we've sort of, you know, our movement level has been very good um, with the commitment and the pressing and everything else. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I think the players have suddenly got it. You know, it's just, this is the minimum requirement. You know, um, if we're going to if we're going to win games, um, this is the way, and we're not going to lose games badly. Even if we don't win, we're not going to lose badly playing this way. Uh, go ahead, Rick. You wanted to respond quick there, and then uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. Just to follow up on on what Rick was saying, um, I, I think it, like he said, the the Leicester game. When you go back and look at the last several weeks, the Leicester game's the fluke, right? Like that's the one that stands out as being the weird aberration. The good performances don't don't stand out as being you know just getting kind of lucky or. Uh, just having a good performance on a given day, you've seen it kind of be a repeatable, um, reproducible situation. So again, that's another reason why I think the the uh, the good results are going to continue to follow. And I think the other thing that makes me think that is that it just seems like earlier in the season our players might have been a little hesitant to try and and make something you know happen, um, get guys going forward and getting into dangerous areas or maybe holding onto the ball a little bit longer just to make sure that they don't make a mistake. These last few good performances, I'm seeing immediate decision-making, uh, assertive decision-making, um, getting into spaces that are going to cause problems. So we are being very, um, uh, you know, I don't know what the right word is for it, but we're being very proactive about it. So that's another reason why I feel it's sustainable. Um, yeah. And the, the Lester game just seemed like the, the weird one-off. So, Fingers crossed. Yeah. Well, and and let's let's talk about one of those performances in uh, the the Chelsea match. So I think last week's podcast, um, obviously Chelsea haven't been playing well at all. Um, and if there were any other club besides Chelsea, I think we would say, oh, they're ripe for the picking. But um, but because of who they are, it always seems like that they're going to give us a really hard time. So I most of us predicted. Uh, uh, losses and um, draws for uh, for this match, but uh, I think we got something a little bit different. Uh, Chelsea came out in the, maybe the first five ten minutes and looked like they were going to be pretty aggressive, and maybe we were going to get that uh, um, tough match that we were all expecting. But I I think you you're right. This is an example of our organization just holding everything together, especially at the back and and with the defensive minded wing backs out there against teams. It, it it really seems to be working that and having like a guy like Richarlson um, in, in the attacking uh, band um, who really knows how to shit house, really knows how to get under people's skins uh, is a physical player. I, I think that can wear down a team. And uh, we, we've seen that effectively. Uh, I, I'm for this uh, son. uh Starting not every game, but some starting a lot of games uh, when it makes sense to, and uh, and let him run at tired legs late in a match. It, it seems like this could be an effective uh, uh, change that's really made an impact too. Um, uh, I think Lucas was up first. Yeah, I think <clears throat> there's something that I always say with um, when it comes to putting in the shift and getting the results, like Rick had just mentioned with there's a difference between the result and the actual effort you put in and the performance you had out there. So even if that skip goal didn't go in or the cane goal didn't go in, that ended up being a nil nil draw. I still would have walked away from that feeling really proud of the effort because that's something we never see when we play Chelsea. 
every time we play Chelsea, no matter how good they are, no matter what form they are in, it's automatically like we play them and we just roll over, immediately roll over and have a couple of dumb mistakes. And we end up treating them as if they're these gods that we can't go attack and try and boss the game. And that was that was just completely different than what we saw yesterday. So that was I was really proud of the fact that we took the game to them. And from Jump Street, we made sure that we put our stamp on the game and played and dictated the way that that game was going to be played. And that's just something that's so rare when we play Chelsea. So I was really, really happy about that more than the fact that we even got the three points. Uh, uh, Tall Rick for a quick interruption, and then we're going to go to English Rick. Yeah, no, Lucas made a great point. We flipped the script on them, right? Like that is literally what they would do to us every time we would play them, you know, and they tried. If, If you go back and kind of look at the match again, they were hitting the deck and doing a lot of diving. They were, you know, kind of trying to get chippy with us and kind of get in our heads and get us to make mistakes. And, you know, why wouldn't they try that? They've, they've been doing it for years. It's been working. And I feel like we were finally kind of experienced enough and savvy enough to recognize that and not only recognize it and not respond to it, but, but we did a better job at it, evading them, right? We've got guys like Richarlison, um, Romero, uh, Kulu too. Like he, he's got a little bit of a, of a nasty streak to him, right? He'll get physical with you. He'll, he'll kind of get into you a little bit too. I thought we out Chelsea, Chelsea yesterday, you know, they, they tried to pull the same things, but, um, but we just, we didn't take the bait and, and we actually ended up, you know, hooking them with it instead. So I'm um, very, you know, the word mature gets tossed around a lot. It felt like a very mature performance to me. Uh, and another reason why I'm positive about, you know, the, the upcoming run of games here. Go ahead, Rick. Yeah, but, but, but I, I totally agree with Brent. And the thing that, that stood out for me was uh, the players standing up for each other as well. You know, when, when uh, situations occurred, uh, normally, uh, well, especially it happened against the Arsenal uh, game when um, May got very physical with us. We just sort of stood back and just went, just allowed the stuff to happen. But with this Chelsea game, we stood up to him. You know, we... You know, we crowded them, we pushed them. You know, the um, the, inc- the instance with the uh, ZX, which we'll get into with the red card that wasn't. Um, you know, uh, we were standing up for each other. You know, um, you know, you mentioned uh, Romero and Kulusevski and Richarlison, but also um, Royal. You know, he's <laughs> when anything happens, Royal is right there. He comes, he comes steaming in. Um, so I'm I'm very pleased with the fact that the, the, the players are showing some team spirit. You know. Uh, protecting each other and, and looking after each other, and that's and, and that that was certainly missing earlier earlier in the season. Um, so um, I was really pleased. There there are some aspects of the way we play that I don't agree with. Um, if we want to get into that, um, but but I was very pleased that, like Rick said, we Chelsea Chelsea, and that was very gratifying. Well, wait, Rick, yeah. Rick, just Rick, just for real quick that later, but I have some questions first. But let's get let's hear from Rick first. Response. I was just going to say, like, it, it feels like we're, we're tougher now. We're tough, right? Like, Poibier's tough. Uh, Royal's a tough player. Dyer is a tough player. And then with Richarlison and Romero, you've got tough guys that kind of have that edge to them, too, right? Like, they feel like they got a little danger. So that's always been a missing element for us in the past. And it feels like we've got it now. So, um, yeah, yeah, more. Bring, bring more of that, please. Love to see it. Okay, so let's go to our first question. Um, and I'm going to mostly paraphrase this, but uh, Shubes asks us that he he points out that he's been watching Skip in youth league since he was 15, 
he says what, what struck him most was the increased confidence he has um, had post-goal uh, attempting. And he, and he asked us, do we think that it was this performance is a little uh, Luka Modric-esque? I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yeah, he's definitely improved. You know, with, with obviously with game time, you're going to improve and, and show what you got. And, um, and, and he's another one. He's not afraid to get stuck in. And, um, you know, he's 22, but he, 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 he and looks a lot older. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm really pleased with his progression. You know, obviously, if we, um, you know, buy better midfielders, he'll be, he'll be um, relegated to a, you know, backup role. Um, but right now, he's playing really well in his own box. So, yeah, no, I'm very pleased with him right now. Oh, and I have to just jump in real fast that like, it, when when Skip scored that goal, I I thought it was Harry Kane. I'm like, how did Harry Kane get all the way back out there? Because uh, uh, where he was at during the play, I'm like, uh, just the way he took it, it was so professional. It was uh, what a shot, um, uh, Lucas. I think you were next. Yeah, I I was I was just gonna say the um, I think one of the best parts about that Skip goal and. Uh, to answer the question, I think that it's basically it's one of those things we've always known what kind of caliber player he is. But when you get a game, when you get a run of games, that's where you're always going to see some kind of improvement and and your confidence is going to grow the more and more you actually are out there. And I, I'm very happy that we have that kind of depth where we lose a big key player and we're able to slot somebody of his caliber in. Um, but I think the most important thing with that goal was not only just getting him off the mark. I think now we'll see an increased level of confidence in we might see a run of the next 12 games. We might see him with like three or four goals. But I think with that goal was so cool because the, I know we'll get into like the red card or wasn't it a red card thing. But that's how we ended the first half with that level of nonsense. And it felt like a slap in the face. So to come right out in 90 seconds into the second half and just completely put that behind us was such a mature. I mean, the the strike itself was fantastic, but. I think Skip showed such a cool level of maturity to come out and basically get us right back on track where we needed to be in that game. Rick? Yeah, yeah, it was noticeable that we came out flying in that second half. We were all over him. We put the ball in their end, and we just chased him down and hounded him into that thing in, in less than a minute. So that was great. Um, getting back to Shub's question, um, <laughs> yeah, let, let, let's pump the brakes on the Modric thing just a little bit. But I will say this. I, I really like the way he played. I really like the way that he and Hoybier complement each other, too, because they're both very solid defensively. But then it's nice that I, I look at Skip as a little bit more of like a point guard, right? Like he plays tough D and then he can get some attacks started from from the back or from the midfield. But he's good at getting the, getting those um, sequences of play set up. Whereas Hoybier's, he's hesitant, right? His first move is to kind of be be cautious and maybe go backwards or sideways. Whereas Skip, you know, just immediately gets the ball and tries to go forward or, or get a pass forward. So I like that he can kind of get it started. And then Hoybier's offensive value is maybe popping up and getting a goal every now and then. But he's not necessarily a creator, right? So the, the fact that Skip's got a little bit more creator to him, I thought was great. You know, when he gets the ball in, in those medium spaces, you know, he can get it out to somebody to Harry or get it out to somebody on the wing. And, and I thought that made a big difference. I, I'm going to say a lot tonight about quick decisions, decisive action. We, we have all that. And, and he's a prime example of it. Like when he gets the ball from somebody in our third, 
he doesn't kind of look around and try and figure out what to do. He, his first thought is forward, forward, forward. And that's a good compliment to Hoybier because Hoybier is usually, okay, hold on. Let me, let me get the lay of the land here. Both ex- extremely good at what they do, but we, we were kind of missing that, that quickness and, and that uh, immediate forward uh, attack um, from, some, uh, from some of the other midfield combinations we've been trotting out there this year. I think uh, English Rick was next. Yeah, the, 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 the thing I wanted to point out was um, Skip is a young player and he's coming in, you know, he's, he's essentially a backup player, he's a player. But he had no hesitation in taking that shot. He was not worried about, you know, what the other players on the team might think or might be angry with him for taking the shot. He, 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 he didn't even think about it. He, he just thought, I'm here, I'm in the right position. Uh, you know, I, I can take the shot, and I will, and, I, and he did. Um, you know, he, he didn't think about oh, what happens if it goes 50 yards over the bar, or, you know, are my teammates going to be angry with me? He didn't think about that. And that shows, uh, you know, a level of maturity which he's now showing. He's not afraid uh, to take that chance and take that risk, and, and that's good, because all that's going to happen now, from now on, is he's going to do that again, again, and again, because because he now has the confidence that his teammates will have confidence in him to do that. So uh, it, it's it, it's very pleasing to see that a young player. And, and the other thing I wanted to point out was um, it, it's just so gratifying to see that you know Chelsea spend six hundred million on players, and we scored with two homegrown players that cost us nothing. Yeah, which good, is good shout there. So ironic. Uh, that yep. but yeah. Yeah, uh, Lucas. Yep. I think yeah, well, just Rick. The reason he wasn't worried about like what are his teammates going to think when he set up for that shot is got to remember he also played with Musa Sissoko, so he probably figured you know if his teammates still <laughs> love Sissoko and they still had a great friendship and relationship with him, and I think every shot he ever took wound up fifty rows up. But no, it's um, I, I think I, the, what Tall Rick had said here about like with Skip having that instinct to go forward first is so important because it's. We've we've had guys come up through our academy that are kind of all about the same player. Like we get a guy like we have that like mold of a guy, like, <coughs> Harry Winks. <coughs> yeah, exactly. Like we continually put out right, Mason. the same mold of a player, Mason, Winks, guys like that. And to have someone come through and have the instinct to go forward first is something that we haven't seen in that role. And it's it's really hard to teach. That's not something that's either your it's either in you and that's your instinct to do it or it's not. And we've we've got all of us when we know down in the pub, we're always bitching about stuff like that when we have that just cycle it back and forth with each other around. Like it's to have somebody whose instinct is I'm going to just drive the ball forward and then I'll figure out what I'm going to do with it or like we'll we'll go from there. But the instinct to go forward is something that we just haven't seen from guys that play in that role. So it's really refreshing. Rick. Yeah. So, so he's a 22-year-old player, but I feel like he's got the uh, the hairline and the football IQ of a 35-year-old. So um, I'm glad <laughs> that his football maturity is closer to his hairline than his actual biological age. Yeah. Well, and, and, so he's... oh, I'm sorry, Rick. I was just going to say, um, I think that Skip might actually be the player that we all thought Winks might be at one point. Um, I think there was a lot of hope for him, and it, but Skip seems to actually be that midfielder. Um, we, we certainly need a longer time, a full season without uh, without the injury breaking it up. But uh, maybe we would have seen this uh, Skip last season if there if it hadn't been for the injury. Um, uh, he was being uh, 
uh, played uh, at first. Maybe Benton Crow wouldn't have gotten his start as quickly if uh, Skip hadn't been hurt. Uh, but but it, it, interesting thought there. Um, but uh, go ahead, Rick. Uh, you wanted to jump in there. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, I, I think the system is helping um, with um, development of young players, especially with Skip. Um, because we're overly defensive, there's no denying it, we are. Um, any mistake that is made by Skip is not um, disastrous because we have so many defenders and so many, uh, and we're set up in such a way that we have defenders behind him and uh, another defensive midfielder with him. Um, so it, it, it contributes to a confidence building thing because he knows that he can play a forward pass and if it doesn't come off, it doesn't matter because um, we'll press and we'll get the ball back and we'll defend deep and um, and, and it's not so disastrous. Well, he's so a big it, part it, of that. It, he's a big part of that press too, Rick. Like, I mean, he, um, like, yeah, but, but he'll lose, I'm, I'm, he'll lose I'm, the I'm ball talk- and he'll 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 get it, win it back right away. Or somebody else loses the ball and he's one of the guys cleaning up other people's messes a lot too. Yeah, but what what I'm saying is, when we do have possession, he's not afraid to go forward with it because we are so defensive. Um, it, it, you know, uh, the, the downside of playing a forward pass and it not coming off is not so bad. Um, because then if we lose possession, we press and he's part of that press um, and we win the ball back. So it, it's actually helping him the way we are. Um, again, um, I'm, if you want to get into it, I'm, I'm not really happy with the way we are, the way that up. Um, I, you know, I think in the Chelsea game in particular, they were playing Ziyech up front. And we had three defenders, three centre-backs, marking Ziyech, and that was it. So we were outnumbered in midfield. And for most of the game, especially um, um, in the second half, we were, Chelsea were playing in our final third. They were knocking it ways and backwards and whatever, but they had possession in our final third, in our defensive third, most of the game. I, I rewatched it today. And, and that's okay when you're up against a team that has trouble scoring and trouble creating. That's okay. You can defend deep and, um, and you can just watch them pass it to each other and nothing's going to happen. But when you obviously play better teams, that, that's, that, 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 becomes a detriment. You know, I want us to be more forward thinking. Um, I mean, the way Conte seems to work is um, he sets his team up how he wants to set them up and it has no impact how the opposition play. And it just seems like he needs to be a little bit more flexible. Um, You know, we don't need three centre-backs in every game. Um, I would rather us play two centre-backs and have the extra midfielder in some games. Um, because I think we get, we get outnumbered in midfield too often, too many times. And it even happened in this Chelsea game. Um, they are just so bad at scoring right now that it didn't matter. But um, against better teams, like you know, it happened against Arsenal. Arsenal had all the possession, it scored two goals, and we couldn't do anything about it. Um, and they played one up front. And I just thought, why play three centre-backs against one up front when you can play two centre-backs? So you're playing two on one and then you have the extra midfielder. It, it, it just seems common sense to me. But, uh, and, that, and that's why I'm a little bit um, frustrated with Conte because 
he just seems so inchable. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I play the way I want to play, and that's it. Oh, I'm sorry, Rick. I thought you were done. Uh, uh, go ahead, Rick. Yep. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say you can hope for that all you want, Rick Dezira, <laughs> but uh, I, I don't think you're going to get what you want. So I, I think the, the way I've noticed Conte since he's come to us is you're right. He, he sets up the same way every time. And I think the, the strategy, which has been extraordinarily frustrating up until this last few weeks or so, is that the first half is really just to, to not make mistakes, right? To sort of see what's going on that day. What is the other team throwing at you? How are your players performing? You know, how could we counter? So I think in a certain sense, his strategy is almost to have a little bit of a, you know, kind of a dull, dour, taffy pull for the first half, right? And then make adjustments. And largely it works, and it's worked for him throughout his career. But I, I just don't think you're ever going to see him go away from that back three. I think that, again, that's his base formation. That's where he's going to start. If it's extremely bad, you might see him make some kind of a substitution to, to change the formation up at some point. But I just haven't seen anything yet that makes me think that he's uh, – strategically flexible enough to to do that i just i i don't see it so we'll see you want to respond well, back yeah because um yeah people people are having a go at chelsea having a lot of uh, go at, uh, at graham potter but he tried in that game um if, if you watch it back you you'll, you'll see that sterling actually started on the left and in the beginning of the second half he was on the he was on the right um so he was up against um um, Davis, but, but then he switched and he was up against Royal. So he kept switching backwards and forwards. So they were they were actually trying. They were trying something different. They were trying, you know, um, to improve their situation. Um, and I think it, I think it was the West Ham game um, where we actually swapped wing backs. And I and I and I was astounded because you know Conte obviously wasn't present. And I was thinking. If he if he was present, I don't think that would have happened. Um, you know where we'd swap um, Davis and Royal, you know, uh, uh, on the opposite wings just just to try something. Um, and um, it's that kind of it's that kind of flexibility when things are not going right, where I think Conte falls down. And and you know he 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 either has such trust in his system and and trust in the players that will get it right, or He's really, really inflexible, um, and I can't work out which it is. Lucas, <laughs> yeah, no, and I think with that's one of the reasons I think we've had a little bit of success in these last few games is our ability to be flexible and try new things. Putting Ben Davis as a left wing back instead of a left center back has been something we haven't seen in four or five years, and he looks like he's just slotted in well and he's like comfortable in that role. I mean, uh, starting with Charleston, I think, has been a big one, too. And having that ability to have, obviously, you don't want Sun to just be your super sub. Like, you want your reigning golden boot winner and one of your best players to be constantly out there. But at the moment, we haven't really figured out what our best starting 11 is still at this point in the season. So it's nice to have that option of having Sun come off the bench after you pressed and wore a team down for 65, 70 minutes. And then all of a sudden, you bring in the fastest player in the Premier League, almost, like, to come out there and have an impact. And he did right away. Son put a great ball in for that corner to, to Dyer. That was something we hadn't seen at any point in that game. Then Dyer flicked it on to Harry. Um, but Son had an instant impact. So I think that that's some of the flexibility. I'm hoping now that Conti's going to be coming back. I don't know if he'll be there Wednesday or not. Uh, I don't know if they've said, but uh, it, I hope that when Conti comes back, we see 
that continue and us us have that flexibility to try new things and not be so rigid, I guess. But um, so that's my hope is fingers fingers crossed that we carry some of this flexibility that we've shown in the last two weeks forward into the final part of the season. Okay, quick responses from both Ricks here. We'll start with uh, English Rick. Um, and then I want to move the conversation along to the uh, red card that wasn't. Well, I'm, I'm wondering if um, Conte being away um, has contributed to this. I'm not, I'm not saying they're, going, they're doing things that Conte doesn't want to do. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is maybe Conte is saying to, uh, I can't remember, his, what is his name? Stellini? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know his name. Stellini. Yeah, um, yeah maybe he's saying to him, um, uh, you know, this is how we play, but you pick the players, you know, that you think are, you're, you're seeing training or whatever. You pick the players that you think are going to be best for this situation. And suddenly, you know, like, like you said, Davis is now playing on left wing back. Ricardos is, is starting. Um, you know, uh, Royal is cemented his spot. It, it, it just seems like there's a little bit of flexibility going on because Conte's not there. Um, and I'm wondering if the improvement is because of that, you know, uh, I'm hoping it doesn't change when he comes back, you know? Yeah. So just to sort of address what both of you are talking about right now, I I think he's flexible from a personnel standpoint, but he's completely inflexible from a formation standpoint, right? So bringing in different players for, for different, you know, for the roles that he wants occupied is one thing. And I, I think we'll see that. I'm certain Stellini's been sharing with him what he's seeing in training and making recommendations, and, and Conte sees that too. So I'm actually pretty confident like he probably won't try to mess around too much with, with what's working um, from, a, from a personnel standpoint. But, uh, Rick, you mentioned, you know, why are we kind of all of a sudden playing better when he's not here? And, again, I don't, it has nothing to do with him not being a good manager my theory is that um, he, he might be a little intimidating, that like the players might be a little more afraid of making mistakes when he's around, and maybe they, they feel a little freer. To, this is what I've noticed. Like we're, we're being more assertive. We're being more aggressive. We're, we're kind of taking more chances out there, and, and it's paying off for us. And I'm wondering if when the big boss is there, if you're a little too afraid to make a mistake sometime, and that's where we end up with these long runs of static play where not enough guys are making runs, um, you know, we're, we're kind of afraid to get into certain positions because it might leave us exposed. So I think part of having Conte gone might be, you know, it's almost like having a substitute teacher and you feel, you know, like you can maybe get away with a little bit more. Um, and hopefully Conte will see that and he'll continue to encourage it because I think that's been the key between how we were performing earlier in the season and how we are now is just, you know, being a little more brave uh, with, with what we've got. Rick, uh, yeah, he, go he, ahead quickly. Yeah, he he might be he might be the, the strict teacher that you're worried about making mistakes in front of, um, and maybe Conte will learn from this and say you know maybe he needs to be a bit more encouraging um, instead of critical. Um, and it seem, it, it does seem like his criticism does of the players. Um, so if he's a bit more encouraging and saying look. You made that bad pass, but I'm glad right. Instead of you made that bad pass, why did you do that? You, you, you see what I mean? It's, it's, uh, he, he needs to understand maybe the mentality of the players we have uh, and, and maybe encourage you a bit more instead of being overly critical, which is what I think, is ha- what I think happens. 
Well, what wasn't encouraging was uh, the uh, yet another poor referee performance. I do want to talk a little bit about that. Um, oh, so, I, have a, I have a lot to say about that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I think probably everybody does. But I, I, we were watching this in the pub, and uh, and we couldn't even make out what the reason for any of the call was. Um, but the, it, it was clear that somebody took a swing at a player took a swing at another player and to me that's an automatic red card no matter what i don't care if you're punching to hit their shoulder or whatever the argument is that seems to be a, a red card and then just the back and forth you you, you don't see it your lineman t- tells you it was there then then your uh, var ref apparently uh, tells you well, you got to look at it the whole thing was just quite a mess. Um, and the ref had just lost so much control of this match even before that, just allowed so much to pass that by the time we got to this situation where it was just a melee, um, it was already out of control. And then, and then you get this decision. So um, I think uh, Lucas is uh, <clears throat> next here. Yeah, and I think it can be summed up if you watched the uh, like our American like NBC broadcast. I think it was on USA Network or whatever yesterday. The announcers, when they're when they're literally so flabbergasted that they can't even comment and they're so confused, you know that there's a problem because these are guys who their job is to sit in the booth and watch football. Like that's literally it. They've seen everything there is to see. They've experienced it as a commentator. And they were so baffled and confused by when the what the decision was when he took it away because the original call was a yellow on Ziek. So that was the original call. So even if you don't think that, like, he gave him another yellow card, like, so the, they were so baffled. They were like, it's a straight red. It should be a straight red. But if not, it's like, okay, you had the original foul, which was on you, Ziek, and that was a yellow card. And then you just punched somebody, which if that's not a red, should be at least a yellow. So what the hell, what the hell were we doing? And again, this is something that I've bitched about with VAR for since it's like since its inception, but it took five minutes. That's another thing that drives me nuts is we had a five minute delay of just mayhem for what? Like, I I just it was an absolutely incredible moment of just confusion. And I think they got it wrong. I think that absolutely was a stonewall red, but. And you'll hear people saying, well, he tried to punch his shoulder and the hand slid up. It's like, you're not allowed to throw punches. Like, simple as. When we had the 6-1 game against United at Old Trafford where Lamella went down because he got his, like, face, he got his cheek, like, lightly tapped and he took the dive and got us the red card. That's, yeah, it was cheeky, no pun intended, but that's what the rule is. You can't just be throwing punches or going after someone's face. So I, I just, I don't know. I think the refs got that one absolutely wrong, but I... I think that the every one of us was just so confused in that moment. Uh, go ahead, Rick. Oh, uh, I have to special uh, tall Rick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the the word we're looking for oh. here is shit. Right? It was it was a shit show. Uh, I think you might be breaking up, to, uh, Rick. So uh, let's go to. Right. Oh, yeah. Sorry, guys. Um. So. Okay. Yep. So yeah, it, it was a it was a shit show, wasn't it? Are you? Can you hear us? Okay. Uh, let's I can Yeah, yeah. Sorry, you, you guys are breaking up a little bit, but I can hear you. So, um, is this better? 
right. Yeah, yep. I'll, ta- I'll take over. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You go ahead, uh, English, Rick. Yeah, uh, it's like Lucas said. It, it, it doesn't matter if it was a straight red or not. It was two yellows. It's as simple as that. Um, he, he, he committed the initial foul, and then the melee happened, and then he throws a punch. So you get a yellow for the spell, and then you get a yellow for the for the punch. It's two yellows. Goodbye. Um, whether you think it's a, a, a red, a straight red or not, is irrelevant. He, he should have been sent off. Um, I, I don't understand why he then consulted with his assistant to say, "Oh, I did. I, he didn't see the punch." And then, if he didn't see it, um, and he's taking advice from his assistant, he then sends him off. But then the VAR, the VAR comes in and says, oh, oh, wait a minute, you need to review this. Well, why didn't that happen first? I, I, I don't understand. Who, who, who has veto in this situation? Does the assistant have veto or does the VAR have veto? Um, you know what I mean? If the, if the referee doesn't see something, does the veto, does the VAR get involved or does the assistant? And if the assistant says one thing and the VAR says another thing, who, who wins? Uh, it, it was just a, a crazy situation. But if you, like I say, if you, if you take it down to his bare bones, he, he, uh, Ziyech uh, committed the initial foul, so that's a card. And then the melee happens. I and mean, if you think he, if you think or not, he, whether he should get sent off or not, that's irrelevant. It's a yellow card at minimum for, for the punch. So it's two yellows, goodbye. It's as simple as that. Yeah, go, go ahead, Rick. Yep. Yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'll try this again. So just to, to what Lucas said about the announcer saying it was a straight red and being unanimous, I just wanted to point out one of them was Graham Lasso, right? As Chelsea, <laughs> yeah. as Chelsea gets, and he was saying it was a stone-cold red. So that should give you a good indication it, it was a red. Now, as far as the two yellows go, I, I heard an explanation, and, and it started to make sense to me, and maybe you guys haven't heard it. So I believe what happened was on that play, Richarlison – um, Havitz was behind Richarlison and he tried to kick him intentionally to trip him. And the yellow was given to him, not to Ziyech. So that was the explanation. So, so there was two yellows. There was the, the first yellow to Havitz for the attempted professional foul, which I still don't understand how he got that because he missed him, right? Ziyech then crashes into Richarlison, takes him down, but that was not considered to be uh, carded because of the previous card to Havitz. Then Emerson gets one for coming in, and Ziyech gets the yellow, which should have been a red for, for throwing hands. So that was what I heard. That first card was Havitz's. But I've never – in uh, English, Rick, maybe you can fill me in on this. Can you get a yellow card for trying to foul somebody and failing? Like, that That seems yeah. odd to me. But you can't – okay, so then no, so you, then that's – You certainly can. That's what happened. You certainly then. can. It's- Okay. Yeah, it's all about it's all about intent, you know. If if you're if you know if you well, this this is the thing, you know. If you throw a punch at someone and miss, um, you could get sent off. If you sure. you know if you try and karate kick someone and miss, you can still get sent off um, or booked. Um, but yeah, I mean, it 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 doesn't matter the order of events. They both should have got a yellow initial foul, and then you should have got a yellow for the punch. It, yeah. It, yeah. It, 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 it's just a, like I say, I, I don't think 
we, 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 if you if you if you actually the whole game as in total, the referee didn't have control most of the game, and that was just the pinnacle at the end of that half. But there was a lot of stuff that went before that that he, uh, you know, he didn't he wasn't in control. He wasn't. Yeah, that, that referee has made some notable errors in other games this season, too. So given that there's a little bit more accountability, it seems, uh, with the referees this year, we might see some action on old Mr. Atwell because he you're right. He he let way too much go at the beginning of that game. And then he completely lost control of what was going on at that point. So uh, I would certainly expect some discipline to be coming his way. OK, uh, Lucas, uh, final thought on this and then go to give give me your MVP. Okay, and like just real quick was in that melee, that was something I wanted to discuss because Royale got a yellow card in that melee. And there's a weird fine line where uh, English Rick had brought up earlier how players were standing up for each other and stuff like that, which is really important, especially with showing a backbone in that type of situation. But I would rather it, it has to come for me, at least it come from like an attacking player because I got really nervous once Royale had a yellow. I'm like, you're now on a yellow as a defender. That's now something that can be exploited, and your game is now challenged or is completely changed. And how you're going to play the next 45 minutes is could be changed by whether or not they want to attack you. And in the middle of the week, there was uh, a Champions League game. I think it was Inter versus Porto, and Porto got a red card in like the 80 or 75th minute or something. And it was just because your man had got a yellow in that exact type of situation that Royale got one in. It was in a scruffle, and then all of a sudden. Later, he made a challenge and got an actual yellow. So he was sent off and they were fucked. And that really completely flips that entire tie. That's where I was just kind of worried in those type of melee situations. I would rather not have my guys, especially my defenders, coming in hot and getting the yellow in the first and still what was the first half of the game. Okay. uh, Well, we we never really talked about the the second goal, but um, another set piece goal. it seems like we're bringing those back. I, I, uh, Eric Dyer deserves credit for the the quality header. Um, Son uh, with the the good kick off of his foot, and uh, and of course Harry Kane for uh, putting the ball in the net. But I I do want to go to MVP because we're almost. Yeah, I'll, out go to, time. I'll go to MVP right now. I'll go first. But yeah, it is funny to watch them again. This is the second time we've seen something like this where they throw like they had Sterling marking Harry Kane. Like what? <laughs> Why would you have Sterling at the back post trying to mark Harry Kane? Just, we'll take it. But yeah, my MVP is going to go for Skip. Um, Really happy for him to get his debut goal. I thought he played really well throughout the game, minus the goal. And uh, just, like I said, let's hope that this is the beginning of him getting in a good run of form and getting some actual goals, or get some shots on target. And maybe we can see him score a few more of those in the next couple couple of months. Okay, uh, let's go to Tallrick. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with Romero. That was one of the most impressive defensive performances I, I can remember seeing in a while. Just in control of everything, calm on the ball, almost toying with him, you know, and just seemed to give it, give us that confidence and swagger that we needed. And uh, I was just so, so impressed. He, you know, he can get a little reckless at times. He he curbed that. I don't know if you noticed. He didn't go for, like, his takeout move on somebody. Um, he kind of got in a bunch of little ones instead. So, yeah, that, that was great. And just a, an honorable mention to Richarlison for all the work he did. He didn't score or get any assists, but 
man, he just he put them under pressure all day. He tracked back like a madman and helped on defense. His effort level absolutely contributed to us softening him up and, and you know, just one of the unsung heroes of the day. So Romero first, but, but wanted to give Richie a mention because he wasn't on the stat sheet, but he deserved a mention. Yeah, no, good, good mention there. Uh, Rick? Um, I, I have a little problem with MVP because I, I think most of the players, I, actually, I can't think of a single one that didn't have a good game. Um, and, and I can't really um, put one player above the rest. So I'm going to give MVP to the team because I think they all played well. Um, there wasn't no, a single I, player that did that didn't contribute something. Uh, well, let's go to. So, let's see if anybody has LVP and like. Uh, uh, let's go back to to Lucas. Uh, uh, Lucas, I will. I, I I will say one, but again, I don't want to come down or cut the pack off anyone because I thought we played so well together and I thought everyone had a good enough game. But um, it's just it's we're I'm I'm gonna say it's Kulicheski, but it's it's only because we hold him to a certain standard and. We've yet to see him. It, like I keep thinking that he might have a knock that he's carrying or something, but he hasn't looked like himself, the true Kulu that we've known or come to like know and expect his talent and his ability. So it, he's not making those runs into the box and putting in the crosses like he usually does. And when he is putting in the crosses, he's not putting it on someone's head or someone's foot like we're used to seeing. So it just seems like there's something a little bit off with him, but I don't want to cut the back off him throwing on the bus and said he had a shit game or something. But he's just uh, – the last few games it's been – he hasn't been up to his usual Kulu standard. Yeah, and I never gave mine. I, 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 I was going to go with Skip as well. I, I just think he deserves credit, not just the goal, just his whole performance, playing out, outmanned in the midfield, as uh, Rick points out to us. Um, I think he deserves it. And, yeah, and I can't come up with a LVP, which I think it's unfair, unless you gave it to, like, a Poro, who had only a couple minutes on the pitch, so he didn't bring much value. But, um Anybody have anybody anything else for LVP? Uh, no, I'm I'm abstaining too. I I went through rewatched the match this morning, and and everybody was good to great. I, I thought really even Kulu who who's down like Luke said by his standards, like he was still mixing it up with those guys. He was still causing trouble, demanding lots of attention. Sometimes even when things don't work out, just the gravity that somebody has right to pull the defenders. Uh, we're losing um, you again, Rick, but, uh, but too, so yeah, it's it's all good. Let's let's not give it to anybody this time. Yeah, no, it's uh, it definitely is all good. I think this is a good place to go to half. We had a very long first half. Um, but the second half, we are going to uh, preview the FA Cup uh, fixture against uh, Sheffield United and then uh, the league match on the weekend against Wolves. Uh, but first, we are going to go to Luke's Locks. Luke's Locks! All right, all right, all right. Welcome back. If you followed my locks, you know we had a great weekend this weekend, won a ton of money. So first up this week, we're going to keep our momentum rolling. It's going to be an over bet. And we're going to take over two and a half goals in Manchester City at home to Newcastle. In the reversed fixture of this game in the fall, it ended with a 3-3 draw that was pretty thrilling. So we know that both sides are going to go at each other and are capable of scoring a lot of goals. 
Uh, City has problems keeping a clean sheet. And like I just said, Newcastle's always capable of bagging a few. So City with that firepower going forward. This one's a pretty simple one. We're going to take over two and a half goals in Man City at home to Newcastle. Second one this week. It's one that I don't like to give out, but it's a no-brainer. And that's going to be that Arsenal minus one and a half goals at home to Bournemouth. Uh, this one almost picks itself. You have the top team in the league at home against the 19th place team. This one's simple. Arsenal have been gaining momentum in the past few weeks and will have no problem keeping that going. So look for Arsenal to steamroll Bournemouth and cover that spread easily. Take Arsenal minus one and a half goals at home to Bournemouth. Next up is going to be Chelsea minus a half goal at home to Leeds. This one might seem weird seeing that we just bossed Chelsea, but Chelsea have been in poor form as of late, and Graham Potter has to be feeling that pressure. Uh, he'll be desperate to get a win at home and get his team moving in the right direction. Leeds has a very poor defensive record this year, and Chelsea have or should have loads of opportunities to put goals in. So look for Chelsea to have an extra few days to prepare as well, seeing as Leeds are in the FA Cup midweek. Chelsea minus a half goal at home to Leeds is the play there. Fourth and final game this week is going to be an under bet. We're going to take under two and a half goals in Spurs on the road to Wolves. This fixture is typically low scoring whenever we go visit Wolves, but both teams have uh, midweek games on Wednesday, so fitness and rotation are going to be in question. Wolves haven't had a lot of success scoring goals this season, but are sound defensively. I think it's going to be a really tough game for Spurs, but I think we can get the win, but I expect it to be very low scoring. So take under two and a half goals in Spurs away to Wolves. There you have it. There's your four free picks of the week. Let's go get rich, kids. Well, thanks as always, Lucas. Uh, I want to uh, start the conversation. We we are going to preview these two matches, but I want to have just a quick conversation about this fixture congestion coming up. So obviously we're going to preview the uh, the Sheffield match in the Wolves game. But um, after that, we ha- we'll have Champions League the next midweek. Um, and so this is going to be we're going to continue with uh two matches a week for a, a while now which we know has been a a problem for us and even last season when we kind of took off in the second half right around this time last year um so um i i first i want to ask you if you're you guys are a little concerned about this conge- congestion and how it might go and how would you prioritize the these matches if you had to um is it the FA Cup? Is it the league in top four? Or is it, um, uh, you know, that Champions League? Uh, um, Lucas, go ahead and take it first. Well, I, again, for me, it's it's the FA Cup and the league. Like, finishing top four and winning the FA Cup should be the priority. Um, but I, I know it never works out like that. We're not going to throw away and just bin off the second leg of it. All we have to do is come home to AC Milan or versus AC Milan and get a result, and we're all of a sudden in the quarterfinals. We all know because of 2019 how these things can happen, how you can fall your way into a pretty lucky draw, have a couple of good performances, and find your way in a Champions League final. Um, but, I mean, to me, like, if you're just talking about odds, like best odds, like our best odds are going to be to win the FA Cup. We're probably not going to win the Champions League. So for me, personally, I would like to prioritize Winning, getting the FA Cup and finishing top four. Uh, that would be a really successful season for me. Um, I don't find, I don't see a way in which we manage to somehow win the Champions League. So 
getting to the semis doesn't really help us, but getting a trophy and getting the top four spot over the line would be a productive year. Oh, you're on mute, Anthony. Oh, uh, let's go with English Rick. Yeah. Um, I, I think we need to be brave. Um, we need to rotate. We definitely need to rotate. Um, I don't think that Kane should start all three games. Um, in what order, I don't know. Um, because we've got Sheffield first, and then we've got Wolves, and then we've got uh, AC Milan. Now, obviously, Kane is going to start against AC Milan, and he, he probably should start against us. So I think he shouldn't start against um, Sheffield United. And the one thing you've got to remember about Sheffield United is they're, they're a big, strong, physical team, and they're second in the championship. So they're playing really well. So you can equate them to a very high mid-table premiership side right now. Um, that, that, you know, that's sort of the position that, that they're in. So we can't take them lightly, but we need to rotate uh, for that game. I can see injuries happening in that game. And what we don't want is, you know, having having Kane start I and mean, then getting uh, you know a turned angle because of because of their physicality. Um, this is this is a situation where I I I I, I know I, I'm talking against the wind and it's not going to happen. But especially against Wolves, I would like to see us add the extra midfielder because Wolves don't have really a striker, but they play with five midfielders. And if we play two midfielders against five, we're going to get outnumbered against you know a very limited team, but we're not going to get the ball. So we should actually add, you know, not play three at the back. They don't score many goals. We should add the extra midfielder and then we could drop one of the strikers um, and, and save his legs for AC Milan. This is why I'm saying that Conte needs to be a bit more flexible. Because if you change the more, if you change the formation, then you can rest players. You know, instead of playing three strikers all the time, you can then suddenly play two, or you can play one up front and one in behind. You, you know, if you're more flexible, then you can, then you you have that choice to rest players because you're playing a different system. Um, but in no so I think, that, uh, but Rick, I just want to interrupt. But no part of that answer was there a prioritization of these games. <laughs> so you've dodged oh, the question effectively. Uh, you, you've given some good opinions, but uh, you've dodged the the question. How would you prioritize the three? Um, I actually see them always equal. If you if you just take these three in isolation, apart from the competitions that are in, I see them always equal. The reason I see that is because. Uh, if we, if we beat Sheffield United and then we get a favourable draw in the next round, then suddenly we're in the semis of the FA Cup, you know, with the, with with a favourable draw in the next round. If we beat AC Milan, then suddenly we're in the last sixteen, no, in the in the last eight of the Champions League, which is monetarily uh, huge. Um, you know, the prize money for getting to the quarters and the semis is huge. So that helps with transfer fees for next season. And obviously getting top four next year, uh, or getting top four this year to get into the Champions League next year, again, is uh, huge monetarily and for, you know, sponsorship and, and, and everything else. 
So if, if you just take these three games in isolation, I think they're all equally as important. Yeah. I, I, um, I'm just going to jump in before uh, Tall Rick goes, but um, for me, like, I, I think uh, this is how uh, this whole Conte experience could save face is, is go, really going balls deep for that FA Cup. Um, so I feel like I want to prioritize that. Um, so I'm with Lucas on that. Um, but it's it's tough because it's also important. And yeah, Champions League, um, it's the money, um, but that's so important to the club too. Uh, but top four for next year is probably even more important than how to, going a little bit deeper now. Um, so really tough one. But what are your thoughts on it, Rick? Yeah, yeah. For for lineup choices, I don't really think it's a matter of priority so much as just opposition and timing, right? But um, if we were to prioritize, obviously, top four in the Premier League is number one um, easily. Uh, a good run in the Champions League would be number two, and the FA Cup would, would be third, I think, if, if I had to. Um, but the reason I think we – I agree with what Rick said earlier. Like I, I would expect heavy, heavy rotation uh, in that Sheffield United game, not only because we're playing lower league opposition, although – you know, Sheffield can't be taken lightly. They're like one of those teams that's too good for the championship, but not quite good enough for the Premier League. You know what I mean? And and so you got to take them seriously. Uh, but I think we'll see a lot of rotation. And Harry wants to play every game, but so he might play. But I think just about everybody else could could rotate at some point, aside from Forster. Well, I think that's a good place to roll into uh, the Sheffield United match. And we're going to go to uh, another listener question. Actually, it comes from our own Cy. Um, so Sai asks us on Twitter, um, uh, start Danjuma, Sun, Mora on Wednesday? Um, Lucas, you go first. Yes. Um, <laughs> and I think the big one, of course, you guys know me and my, my beloved obsession with Lucas Mora, but the big thing for me with Lucas is, yes, we want to have Danjuma play. We'll probably see Sun play, um, cause he didn't start the last game against, or the last couple games out, but for me, the Lucas Moore thing is so important because that's in these types of games, you see it's, it's it's always tricky because Sheffield will come out and they'll have the exact same 11 that they're used to playing with. And we're going to be heavily rotated. So we're already at a disadvantage. Our advantage is that our players pound for pound are better than theirs, but they have a unit of 11 that they'll be used to playing with. And we're going to have a really rotated side. So one of the ways you can combat that is with somebody like Lucas Mora that has that level of enthusiasm that he doesn't care. Lucas Mora, since day one, since coming here, I think his first game was like the Rochdale game, I think. And we drew 1-1 away. It's since that game and the Champions League semifinal, it doesn't matter. He has one speed, one level of enthusiasm, one passion. And so I think someone like that is going to be really, really important as a lineup choice. And so, but yeah, I hope we see Dan Juma again. He's got a guy that wants to prove himself and wants to try and earn himself more minutes. So I think that could be used to our advantage is that we have guys that really want to go prove what they could do. And that could be something that gives us an edge in that game on Wednesday. Uh, let's go to tall Rick next. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, full, full rotation. I would expect to see um, with maybe a, a holdover or two. People need minutes, too, right, that we've got to think about. Sonny needs minutes. Uh, Perisic hasn't played in a while. Poro could do with some experience. 
Um, Sar, I thought, has looked very, very promising in his matches. So uh, getting him in here, I saw one of the coaches mention Alfie Devine uh, for, for a, a, you know, kind of a little bit of praise earlier, which I, I don't necessarily know if that means he'll play, um, but they're starting to discuss him in those terms. So um, I don't know if we'll see him on Wednesday, but but I would expect almost a, a fully rotated set. Hoybier needs some rest desperately. Akulu could use some rest. Um, Richarlison, you know, played really hard on, on Sunday. I don't know if I'd want to see him try to go back out there. A couple of those guys coming off injury. So it, there'll be a lot of factors beyond, uh, you know, how much you want to win the competition that are that are at play here. But but I'd expect to see very few people from Sunday play uh, Wednesday. Okay, uh, Rick? Um, a, a great manager, I think it was Ferguson, used to say, um, you can rotate your team but don't rotate your defense. Um, so I would expect and hope that we would play the normal back five um, and then Saar could come in for for um, Holberg and then you can rotate anybody you like up, up front um, because it, it, you don't want to lose the game. So you don't rotate your defense. You don't take that risk. Um, but you can rotate your strikers because you know they're either going to score or they're not going to score you know it's that, that's that's okay so i, I would rotate everybody uh, forward of, of the central midfielders you know um i, I would like richardson to start um a central striker because that's the position he plays for brazil and then on the right or on the left whoever you could put poro on the right and and uh and put danger on the left um uh, I, I don't really care about the, the forward players. Uh, rotate them all. Um, but the defence, no. Don't don't mess with that. And we really don't have that many options in defence anyway. So, um, you know, who are you going to bring in? Are you going to bring in Tanganga? I don't think so. Are you going to bring in Sanchez? I don't think so. So, you know, you might as well stick with the same defenders. You could yeah. bring in Paris uh, and... Um... Um, you could bring so in that was, that was, um, that's Rick, Rick, I was going to ask you real quick. That was when you had said don't rotate the defense, and then you used the term back five. Would yeah. you consider, like, the wing backs as part of the defense? Because I definitely think we'll see Poro play. Um, well, like I said, break, well, well, so I, I, I think we'll see rotation at least at the wing backs. But maybe you're right. Maybe not well, the back three. Um, well, when, 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 when I'm talking about a back five, we do play a back five. We do. Um, if you watch the Chelsea game, Whenever Chelsea were attacking, we had a back five um, all the time. Um, when they were knocking the ball around and whatever, we had the back five. When we were attacking, the full back, the wing backs go wood. Um, I just want to, I just want to divert slightly um, and talk about Kulisevsky. Um Now, this is not a criticism of Royal. I'm, I know I've been very crit- critical of him in the past, but I don't think Royal and Kulisevsky play together well. And I think that's affecting Kulishevsky because what happens is Royal crowds Kulishevsky and he brings defenders with him. So instead of Kulishevsky being up against one player, a fullback, he's suddenly being crowded by Royal, who then brings a midfielder with him. And then Kulishevsky suddenly got four players around him. So he has no space. What Royal is not doing, which I really wish he would learn to do is when Kulishevsky's got all, he, um, he overtakes him and makes space and takes a defender away 
and Vancouver Receptor suddenly has space because he's only up against one player. What Royal keeps doing is he keeps invading Kulisevsky's space, condensing so many players in that in that in that position that Kulisevsky has no room whatsoever. I mean, how many times have you have you seen Royal overtake, receive a pass, and cross the ball? It doesn't happen because he doesn't do it. I think definitely. I think a big part of Conte's system is like uh, an overlap. Like, and you'll see. I and see. Royal I, I see a that. lot more of Royal moving in inside, like in being in more exactly. of like midfield position when Kulishevsky's out on the wing. So I, I'm not seeing what you're seeing. I, I understand. Yeah, when he when he's running back out to the wing and Kulishevsky's waiting there on the wing, he might be bringing a couple defenders with him. But uh, but I see them exactly overlapping pretty well and combining pretty well. I think just Kulishevsky's game game has kind of uh, dropped off a little bit. But let's let, let Lucas uh, tackle it next, and then. Uh, well, I think because I, I agree with Rick in principle, where it's I, I do not think that Royale and Kulu have really blended well together. Like we saw last year when Doherty took over, and it became like the Doherty and Kulu show out on the right, and they worked really really well together. But I think the big thing is. For me, it's not as much that Royale brings defenders with. It's that he doesn't make the runs, and they don't believe that he's going to be followed. There was a moment in the West Ham game, ironically, it was right before Royale scored, and it was awesome. But there was a moment where Kulu had the ball, and uh, Royale cut inside and made a run down the channel on the inside of him, and he went into the box making a run. And the West Ham players, there was two defenders that didn't even blink. They didn't even think, because they're like, we know you're not getting the ball. Like, so they just stood there and they didn't even move. And that's why I think we bought Pedro Porro. You don't, you don't buy a guy of his caliber and then have him sit on the bench. Like, this is a guy that's going to play. He just needs some minutes to kind of get used to the players that he's going to be playing with. But I think we could see something very special there because Kulu's going to have so much freedom when Porro's going to actually be making runs and make crosses and make threatening advances into the box and that's going to free up Kulu to do whatever he wants with his left foot and that's what we're going to see so I think right now I want to give mad props to Royale for like the last couple of performances but I don't think we should be getting too excited about him being like this superstar right wing back because at the end of the day he is still a much better defender than he is in the attacking third and that's why we bought Poro for games like I think we'll see him come out on Wednesday and have a great day but I think Poro is going to be the option, and that's going to be our guy, and that's why we spent the big money on him. Let's go to Rick. Yeah, I was, I was going to say I, I, I see what Rick is saying, and I, I think he it's it's a little bit of what was happening earlier in the season, right? But but in this recent good, good run of form that Royal has had, what I'm seeing is he doesn't do well, right? One of the things that he just doesn't do well is make those runs, get into space, out on the edges, and then cross the ball. He, he's no good at that. He's tried it, and he's no good at it. What I've noticed him doing differently is just like what Luke said. He'll get up there together, and then he'll cut inside a lot more. He, he's playing in a different way where those crosses he is incapable of making aren't, aren't his thing anymore, right? He's more driving out of defense and getting into the center spaces. And, and it's a kind of ironic because when I rewatched the Chelsea game, he actually put in a couple of really nice crosses. So maybe that's something that's um, coming, you know, maybe that, his game, that part of his game is developing. Um, but I, I have, I, Anthony, I agree with you that lately here, Royale has looked fantastic to me. Absolutely fantastic. He looks like, you know, almost like a, 
he's he's kind of like a mini Kyle Walker to me, the, the way he's been playing defense and then uh, getting forward and helping his attacks. But but just like Kyle Walker, he, he never had a good cross on him. So um, we'll see if he can develop that. And then just to get back to the original question about substituting your defense, I largely agree, but you got to give those guys a rest sometime. And if it's not going to be on Wednesday, when is it going to be? One thing I would like us to try is Davinson Sanchez in the middle of that back three. Stop playing him on the right side where he's being asked to handle the ball more, which we know makes him nervous. He's good in the air. Um, I think he's a natural backup to the dire role. So if you're ever going to try that, try it Wednesday. I, I don't think we will. But if I wanted to rotate, that's something that I, I would try to do because I think that that might be a, a position that's a little more suited to his limited skill set, like Dyer. Uh, Rick, uh, quick answer and then give me your prediction for this game. Okay, I, I just want to make one more comment about the Royal Kudu thing. Now, Kudu's whole stick is to be out on the wing, face up to his defender, drop a shoulder, cut inside and cross with his left foot. He's on the outside and get to the line and cross with his right foot. He always cuts inside and either shoots or crosses with his left foot. Now, you said that all is not, you know, he's not overtaking him on the right. He's going in the middle, which is exactly where Kula wants to be. Do you see what I mean? It's like they're occupying the same space because because Royal won't go round the back of him. He won't go round behind him. He, he's, he's occupying the space where Kula wants to cut in. Um, and that's why they're having a little bit of a, a, a contentious situation where they're both occupying the same space at the same time now it's working because royal is actually you know is actually playing really well and it's working but it's having a detrimental effect on kulu and that's my opinion about that okay uh i yeah i see what you're saying uh i think it was more of a problem earlier in the season and uh, i think some of it is the the strategy that conti's put in uh, what he expects out of his fullbacks but um but we'll have that debate another day. Give me your predictions, Rick, while you're uh, talking. For, for Sheffield? Just for Sheffield, yeah. Just for Sheffield. Um, I think it's going to be a tough game. I think it, it might end up a draw, like a 2-2 draw. Uh, t- it, um, oh, that would mean we have a replay. We, we have a pre- replay, yeah. No, uh, no replays. Oh, no replays. <laughs> No replays. Nope. 30 minutes extra and penalty kicks. Replays really? are done Wait. now in this oh, round. Oh, in this round? Oh, oh. Yeah, now that we're yeah. in the round of 16. Yeah, okay. The yeah. round of 16. Okay, then, good. Then, we, then, we, then it's a 2-2 two, two draw and we win on penalties. Okay. I'll take it. Because no, no, no one is getting past six foot seven Foster on a penalty kick. <laughs> Big man with a frying pan. Um, <laughs> oh, <Lord. laughs> well, give me uh, your goal scorers, Rick. Um, I reckon uh, Richardson will get one definitely, and um, let me go Saw. Why not? Okay, uh, Lucas, uh, what's your prediction? Uh, I think we go one-one and we win in penalties. I'll say uh, I'll say uh, Dan Juma gets his gets another one. Okay, uh, um, well, lots of penalties here. Uh, Rick, tell me. <laughs> Uh, tell me you don't have penalties. <laughs> no, 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 no penalties. Come on, guys. The uh, she- Sheffield is definitely to be respected, but they just struggled to get past a National League team and a very popular one. And I, I really wish we would have been able to play Wrexham because 
that would have been an awesome episode of the uh, season two of their TV show to watch. Uh, but it didn't happen. I don't think Sheffield's playing their best right now. I think we are, are starting to play our best. And I'll go like 3-1. And let's give two to Richie and one to, uh, uh, I don't know, whoever plays in the midfield, I guess. So, yeah, I'll go SAR too. Why not? Sounds good. Uh, I'm going to say 1-0. Um, I just uh... – I think our defense will be good enough to keep them off the board, uh, but I uh, I don't see us being scored because I think it is going to be heavily rotated. Um, I, I don't know if we ever fully answered size questions, but I, I do think uh, Kane will probably play because they've been working on his conditioning to uh, to be able to last longer, like in tra- cutting trainings down and things like that, so you can get more out of them during the week. Uh, so I think he's going to be in all all three of these upcoming games. Um, I think Sun's going to start because um, t- because he hasn't been starting. And then I'm, uh, Lucas Moore makes more sense on uh, on the uh, right, but um, but it could be Dan Juma too, and I think I'd rather see Dan Juma and give him some time. Um, but I'm going to make my goal scorer. Um, um, it's gonna, yeah, it's going to be Sun. Um, I, I want to move the conversation along into Wolves. So, um, league, big league match. Uh, to, we want to continue in top four. We have um, some teams around us that all have games in hand on us that we have to to worry about. So, we certainly need a victory here as well um, to, to solidify our spot. Uh, Wolves are sitting in 15th place. They're so not doing very well right now. Uh, they did have a draw this uh, past Friday, to, a way to follow them. Um, and they haven't been on a particularly good run of form, but they have, uh, been able to find, uh, a victory against Liverpool in the last month or so. Um, they're, uh, Ruben Nieves is their, their impondents are their top goal scorers right now, but not with very many five. Um, we, the last, uh, time that we faced them, we did beat them, uh, earlier this season, one nil. How are you guys feeling on this Wolves game? Uh, Rick? Um, I, I think if we approach the game with the uh, intensity of Chelsea, I think we'll, we'll make it a easy game. Um, they're not very high scorers, and if we, we, we play as defensively strong as, as we did against Chelsea, I, I don't see them getting past at all. It, it's, it, it, it'll be how many do we score, basically. Um, I, I, I can't see us. Um, as long as we have the same application and the same intensity and pressing uh, as Chelsea, I, I don't see them winning at all. So, uh, Let's go to uh, Rick next. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with what little Rick just said there, too. So I, I think they're actually in a very similar situation as to what Chelsea's doing. They're struggling to score goals. They're usually pretty solid defensively. Um, you know, and, and they're just not not scoring. They've got the corpse of Diego Costa, and Jimenez has never really come back to, to full form since his uh, awful head injury. So th- there's not a lot of threat. So I think we can kind of run the Chelsea playbook again, you know, and, and perfect it even more. So I'm, I'm feeling pretty hopeful. Uh, Wolves started terribly, and they've actually been just sort of mediocre lately. So uh, can't take them too lightly. Uh, and any away trip is, is a little bit of a, a worry. But uh, I feel like we're... We're kind of we're catching them at a decent time. We're we're playing well, so uh, I'm 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 feeling good about our chances to get the points there. I I really do feel like we've sort of figured something out here, uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing if we can continue to apply it. 
Yeah, and, and it seems like uh, we figured out these Premier League matches. Uh, my only concern is the the, con- the congestion of fixtures because that's given us problems in the past. I think that's uh, where we can see the drop in form, or we we're already punching the 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 victory on our ticket before the players even start playing, and then they just don't show up. Uh, that would be the bigger fear for me. But uh, Lucas, yeah, again, this is one of those. It's very similar to Chelsea in the sense that they have guys that can really hurt you. And I think what what's going to be very important to us is we'll get a few good chances. And like I said, in the Luke's lock segment, like they are, they're not, they've, I think they've, we've given up more goals than they have this season. Like they're not a bad defensive team. It's just, they've been struggling to score goals, but they still have guys that can hurt you. I mean, Raul, again, Jimenez, like Ruben Neves, they got Traore can always just be a thorn in your side. Uh, Jao Matinho has got a crack in him if he's, can lace one up. So they have guys that can hurt you. If we give the ball away in dumb positions and makes careless errors, they will, they have the potential to punish you. But I think that it's going to be on us. I think it's going to be low scoring, but I think we'll be able to, if we can take advantage of our opportunities, I think that our quality will show out, but it is one of those where, again, I can't remember. We typically don't go up and score a lot of goals away in the last few years. We haven't scored a lot of goals up there and. So I expect it to be on the lower scoring side. What I do think is good is the fact that at least both of us, I think we'll be more rested because we're going to play on Wednesday and they play on Wednesday, but our game on Wednesday is in the FA Cup. So we'll have plenty of rotation like we just talked about. They're playing away at Anfield in the Premier League. So they're going to have to go to Anfield on Wednesday, play their strongest 11. We're going to have a bit of rotation and hopefully we'll have guys rested. Hopefully we'll have, Conti will have had time to get a good couple days of preparation in after Wednesday. But um, so I think that'll work to our advantage is that we'll be a little bit more rotated. But like I said, both teams having a Wednesday game, I can't see there being too many goals. We're just going to have to be really opportunistic when we get our opportunities. And when we have the ball in threatening areas, we can't make dumb mistakes. And because this is a team, this isn't West Ham. This is someone that has the potential and a lot of quality that, Unfortunately for them, hasn't really shown through this year, but this is a team that is usually competing around that top six area. So they have guys that can hurt you. We just got to be smart with the ball. Okay. Uh, uh, Rick, uh, uh, you, you want to jump in here and then you can roll in after your thoughts, you can roll into the uh, prediction. Um, well, I, would, I already gave you my thoughts about this game. Um, so I can just give you my prediction. I think we'll win 2 0. 2-0, and who are your goal scorers? Um, I think Kane will get one, and I think I'm going to get this, this, the other one. Okay. Uh, uh, Lucas, have you given us a prediction yet? No, and I'm going to go 1-0, and we get a late winner from Sun. Okay, and Ricky, you kind of you gave us a score. Did you give us goal scorers? Uh, I didn't I didn't give a wolf score. Uh, I'll go two nil as well. Kane has been over-reliable this year, and let's go Romero. He He – Likes his marauding runs, and he hasn't been paid off yet. And I, I think Wolves might be the the right one for him. So I'll, I'll go with him. Uh, I am. I don't have a ton of confidence in this one. I think we're going to win the FA Cup, and I just uh, feel like the the fixtures are are going to catch up to us, and and maybe we're not going to know how to rotate. Uh, correctly to 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 get the best performance out of this. I'm going to say it's a 2-2 draw, unfortunately. Uh, very unsatisfying, but like uh, a little hiccup that we have to expect. 
Um, I'm going to say Kane, of course, gets a goal because he's going to be playing all three games, and he's certainly good for one. And I am going to say uh, Poibier will give us another one. He seems to turn up in these spots. Uh, um, and maybe we get bailed out of a loss by a uh, Hoybier goal. That seems like something that could happen. Um, it, any final thoughts before we wrap up the episode? Um, we kind of covered... Um, oh, go ahead, Rick. Yeah, no, I, I just want to say, uh, you know, um, I, I think like Rick, like Rick uh, I, I think we've just figured something out. I think um, the, the, the players have realized the minimum level of application that's required in games now and we've sort of we've, we've sort of come to the conclusion that we have to work so hard and not let that not let that level drop anymore um if you think uh going back um to uh you know just before conte arrived and you know we were in a hell of a mess. You know the squad was a ter- a terrible mess, and um, we didn't have a style of play, and everybody was terrible. And it, it was you know not so long ago it was we were so disorganised, and now we look very organised. Um, and I, I, I you know I think I think the players have just figured out and and have realised what's required of the of manager and this team and and, and, I, and I, I don't i don't see the level dropping now um we might have the odd loss here and there uh, because of good play on the opposite or bad luck or whatever but i i think um we've just figured right now the the level required and i think i don't think we're going to drop from that now uh rick oh did we lose rick I think we lost Hall, Rick, but uh, I'll jump in there. And yeah, that's a good sentiment. Like I, I, I hope that this shows that some improvement that we've been waiting. I think a large chunk of the season to see. And I keep getting fooled that like, oh, this is going to be the match that kicks us on. But now we have a couple matches, and it does feel like we're kicking on. And I, and I hope that lands us in a good place. Um, but I think this is a good place to wrap up the episode. Uh, so I am Anthony. You can find me on Twitter at Callahan42, K-A-L-I-H-A-N 42. Uh, Lucas, where can they find you? Uh, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, same name, L-U-C-A-S-R-U-S-K-E, all one word. Guys, anyone want to chat Spurs, always go ahead and hit me up. I'm always happy to talk about Tottenham. So, uh, uh, Tall Rick, where can they find you? Uh, yeah, uh, hey, I'm at uh, oh, there Earth you underscore. Yep, yep. Earth underscore Rick D one thirty seven uh, on Twitter is where I'm at. Okay, excellent. And uh, uh, English Rick, where can they find you? Uh, I'm. You can find me on Zero Rick on Twitter, and uh, my email, if you want to email me, is uh, Rick uh, SMG at gmail dot com. Perfect. Well, uh, thank you so much to Rick, Rick, and Lucas for being on today, but that about wraps it up. Uh, So thanks to Tommy for editing today, Charlie for the music, Sam for social media, Kimberly for the logo, and as always, the Atlantic Bar and Grill. 
uh, come on out and watch us there. I'll actually be watching up in Milwaukee uh, at the Red Lion this uh, this uh, weekend for the Wolves match. So uh, uh, I'll be up there. Maybe I'll see some of you up there if we have any listeners up that way. Uh, find us on our many platforms. Uh, hit the subscribe button and write us a review on those platforms if you uh, feel like giving us a shout out. Uh, check us out on Twitter and Facebook at 4 Stars Spurs and our website at 4 Come on, you Spurs.